This is Sports Talk with Phil Cordblue, Chris Bergen, and Pat Daniel. Sports Talk is heard across the state on radio affiliates of the Sports Talk Media Network and is streaming live on SportsTalkSE.com as well as Twitter, Facebook, and YouTube. The South Carolina Education Lottery lucky number to call in is 888-898-2525. That's 888-898-2525. Now, here are Phil, Chris, and Pat with tonight's edition of Sports Talk. Second down and five. Sanders gets it left side. Big room and a touchdown for Sanders. His second. Definitely in a better spot. Uh, I mean, uh, I definitely can move around better than I, I was moving last week or two weeks ago. And so uh, just trying to continue to get the treatment and the rehab um, and get to as close as I can to 100% and then uh, rely on some adrenaline to let me do a little bit extra when I'm on the field. It is over and the Kansas City Chiefs have won it, heading to the Super Bowl for the third time in four years. The Philadelphia Eagles are going back to the Super Bowl. And good evening, everyone, and welcome inside Sports Talk on the Sports Talk Media Network. It is a football Friday. Yeah, it took a while to get one back, but it is indeed a football Friday as we get ready for Super Bowl 57 coming up on a Sunday from Phoenix, Arizona. Of course, it is the Philadelphia Eagles, the champions of the NFC, taking on the Kansas City Chiefs, the champion of the AFC. Chris Bergen over here in our PD studios near Sardis, as Phil likes to say. Pat Daniel taking care of business back home in our brand new studios at the Point in downtown Columbia. Phil Cornblute has the night off. He is out of town for a couple of days, so we've got a corn-free Friday for you, and we want to hear from you on our Sports Talk Super Bowl Spectacular tonight. We're going to talk plenty about the big game coming up on a Sunday. I want to hear from you as well, your thoughts who do you like and why? 888-898-2525. Again, 888-898-2525 on the Sports Talk Education Lottery lucky number. And we'll get to your phone calls coming up in a little while. Also on the program tonight, we'll get some expert opinion. Corey Miller, the pastor of Payne, set to join us just after 6.30 this evening. Also, former NFL and Mississippi State linebacker who also appeared in a Pro Bowl and a Super Bowl, K.J. Wright will be with us as well. We'll get his thoughts about what it's like to actually get ready that Friday before, how, how are their nerves, how are things getting ready, how has practice been leading up to the Super Bowl, and what is it like to play in the biggest game in all of football? Get his take just after 7 o'clock. And, of course, tonight it's also birdies and bogeys and biceps around South Carolina. We'll do that just after 7.30. But since Corn is not with us tonight... We bring in our ace reliever who's been chomping at the bit to get back on the program and an opportunity to chat a little NFL football. We say hello down in Georgetown. We say hello to Matt Smith. Smitty, good to have you back, my friend. Happy Super Bowl Eve Eve. I am so happy, so excited about this Super Bowl because, you know, this year – Fewer cryptocurrency commercials, more beer commercials. It's how football should be. I think all is right with the world again. Makes it feel like makes it feel like football. Now, if you were a cryptocurrency company, wouldn't you want to get on the Super Bowl and just to make fun of everybody else who bought into your silliness and your novelty, which is what it was, right? Well, it's hard for them to do it as many of them have escaped to <laughs> countries without extradition. So they can't get – they really don't want to get geo-targeted by the government. 
and I'm guessing that $7 million per spot price tag that Fox has labeled for commercials in the Super Bowl might be somewhat cost prohibitive, huh? Yes, but hey, like I said, beer commercials have taken it over. Insurance companies, I think we're going to get some funny commercials. I'm looking forward to it. This is, uh, to me, a great Super Bowl storyline with Andy Reid facing his former team. He's already won a Lombardi trophy and, and proven that he can do it. You know, he was there in Philadelphia for 14 seasons, says he still loves that organization. So I think there's going to be a lot of emotion swirling toward the end of this game, whichever team comes out on top. And also it's brother versus brother, Travis Kelsey and Jason Kelsey. playing. Can you imagine what their household, uh, the parents are like going through this week? You know, having to root for, for both their sons to play well, but one of them is going to lose the biggest game in football, and one of them is going home with the ring. So I love the storylines for this weekend. It is our Sports Talk Super Bowl roundtable. We'll get Pat here in just a couple of seconds. Smitty's only with us here at the outset of the program. He's got other plans tonight as well, so obviously a busy, busy weekend. I'm glad you brought up the Kelseys, though, because I have to ask the question. As good as Travis Kelsey has been, and we can see that as novice NFL fans who have never played the game, Smitty, but is his brother maybe more impactful with regards to what Philadelphia does in that tremendous offensive line they have versus Travis Kelsey and how important he's been to Kansas City's passing game, who is the better Kelsey? Great question. Look, I think Travis Kelsey is is a bit in a class by himself as a tight end. But, look, you have to judge offensive lines as a unit. It's like five fingers in a glove. And Pro Football Focus says this Philadelphia Eagles offensive line, headed by Jason Kelsey – could be the best of this century since the, mm-hmm. the clock turned over to 2001. And, and they rely on that offensive line. And one of the storylines I'm really looking forward to, that we've got a coach now that is willing to go for it on fourth down, did so 35 times. And this offensive line is the reason why. Here's, here's the key stat. Philadelphia not only went for, for, went for it on fourth down 35 times this year, so I expect they're going to go for it on fourth down here in the Super Bowl. They converted 69% of the time. So this game could come down. Usually third down is the money down, and it's what we've known our whole lives in football. But now we could be watching a Super Bowl where it's not coming down to third down conversions but fourth down conversions. So one thing that really sticks out to me is is about, about a decade ago, now Eagles head coach Nick Sirianni was just another NFL assistant trying to find his way. He was 31 at the time. He had just finished a season as the Kansas City Chiefs wide receivers coach, but the the Chiefs were terrible. They went 2-14 and 14 that year. The ownership elected to then fire head coach Romeo Cornell, replacing him with now Andy Reid. And Andy Reid elected not to retain Sirianni, and that is something that Eagles head coach Sirianni now says he uses as motivation, mm-hmm. and he said, quote, do you always have this little chip on your shoulder? Sure, yeah, you do. But that's who I am as a coach and as a person. I want to make sure I'm working my butt off to get as good as I possibly can. And sure, you hold on to some of those things. And if you read between the lines a little bit there, this is almost one of those stories where you have a former employee going against his former employer, and that might add a little extra motivation for the Eagles. i got to mention this, too. I don't. Who had Jalen Hurts going to the Super Bowl this early in his career? Remember, this is someone that was essentially run out of Alabama, and then he transformed himself 
at Oklahoma and became a better passer and became NFL ready. And the numbers are off the charts. And we talked about what Philadelphia does on fourth down. Part of the reason they can do that is because Hurts' ability to get out on the edge and be a, a threat to run or pass to Devontae Smith, one of his former teammates, or A.J. Brown, another guy that played in the SEC West at Ole Miss. What a chip he must carry on his shoulder. He was told he wasn't an NFL guy, wasn't even good enough to play quarterback at Alabama anymore. He lost his starting job. Here he is in the Super Bowl playing for the world's biggest trophy. And lastly, just one more note here. We talk about Sirianni formerly being employed by the by the Chiefs. How about the elephant in the room? No pun intended. Andy Reid, former longtime head coach of the <laughs> Philadelphia Eagles, now going against his former ball club that fired him some decade ago or so. That's quite a reunion as well. Tower Sports Talk Super Bowl Roundtable. Chris Pat Smitty with you here tonight. We want to hear from you as well. We'll get to your phone calls in just a little bit. 888-898-2525. That's the South Carolina Education Lottery lucky number. And the point is, we want to hear who you like and why. Not just who you're picking, but why are you going Kansas City? Why are you going Philadelphia to win Super Bowl 57 on Sunday? And, Smitty, you're a numbers guy, so I'm curious from this perspective, Kansas City's robust, high-powered offense against that Eagles defense, which was second best in the NFL and has looked terrific during the playoffs, maybe not against the caliber of quarterback they're going to see on Sunday. So who has the upper hand, though? Philadelphia's offense about as good as Kansas City's, but they are going up against a defense that is not inside the top five, uh, barely got inside the top ten in Kansas City. So do the Eagles have an advantage there because of who they'll face on the other side of the ball more so than what Philadelphia's defense will present to Kansas City? I think they do, but Kansas City can – almost hide that defense, hide its deficiencies a little bit with, with how good their offense is. If you watch the way Andy Reid and Patrick Mahomes control a game, it, it kind of harkens back to the old Joe Montana days where he was able to – what do you want this drive to be? Four minutes and end in a field goal, seven minutes and end in a touchdown, 90 seconds and end in a touchdown. They just try to control the game, and Mahomes is kind of uh, – you know, he's kind of like a point guard out there. He's got it all going, and he knows how to control the clock, control his team, and he uses Kelsey as a security blanket. So you're right. The numbers say the best unit on the field is going to be the Kansas City offense, and the second best unit is that Philadelphia defense, which features four guys with double digits and sacks. But this is a different animal. If Mahomes is healthy, and that's a big if, let's see how that high ankle sprain uh, is treating him this week. If Mahomes is himself, he avoids sacks masterfully and uses Kelsey as his his third down go-to player, and that's how they move the chains. I think they can do it against Philadelphia's pass rush. If you want my opinion on who's going to win the game, it's a tough one. I'll make a pick, but I think this is a last-minute ball game. I don't see either team getting out in front of the other uh, by more than 7 to 14 points at any point in the ball game, I'm going to take Kansas City. I respect Nick Sirianni. I respect what he's done with the Eagles. But I think what Kansas City has been through and then the experience, that head coaching experience of, of Andy Reid and that quarterback experience of Patrick Mahomes, I don't think there's, there's an eyelash of difference between these two teams statistically. Mm-hmm. But I just, if I'm going to place my money, push my chips to the middle, I think I'm going to do it with Patrick Mahomes just over Jalen Hurts. I think Jalen Hurts is right there. 
He's right there closing in on the top tier of quarterbacks, but Patrick Mahomes has been there on the Mount Rushmore of quarterbacks for the last last five, six, seven seasons. This is their fourth Super Bowl. I think Kansas City gets it done, and Andy Reid does it against his fourth team and picks pulls a minor upset and gets a second Lombardi trophy. All right, Pat, and dovetailing off a comment that Smitty made as he was laying out his reasoning to pick the Chiefs, you have to go back to October 24th of 2021, the last time the Chiefs lost a game by more than four points. So span of 30 games. Philadelphia has not had anything close to being a competitive game in the playoffs. They've outscored their opponents 69-14 to through the NFC playoffs. So do you see Philadelphia blowing this thing out on Sunday or Kansas City pulling out a close game because they don't get blown out? It certainly would seem if the game is close that that favors the Chiefs because they have far more experience in that atmosphere. Whereas if this game is not close, I don't think it's going to be because the Chiefs are blowing out the Eagles. It's going to be because the Eagles are way out in front. One thing that I would be concerned about, the Chiefs, and let me know if you guys differ on this, but in the AFC Championship game, the celebration they had after beating the Bengals almost felt more comparable to what I would see from a team winning a Super Bowl. It, it seemed almost like they, they referenced, I mean, we saw Travis Kelsey and Patrick Mahomes in the post-game interview on the field referencing the Cincinnati mayor and talking about Burrowhead instead of Arrowhead Stadium. They directly referenced how they had extra bulletin board material and motivation for that game, and that helped propel them to that championship. They talked about how nobody gave them a chance. They fought through injuries, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. Whereas in the NFC Championship, yes, I realize Brock Purdy got hurt. That completely changed the the ball game. But the Eagles didn't even break a sweat. I mean, they dominated every facet of that ball game against the 49ers. And afterwards, seemed almost like they took the mindset of the job is not yet finished. They had that Kobe Bryant mindset of, look, there's nothing to celebrate. We're not done yet whereas the Chiefs seem to go a little over the top celebrating. So from a headspace perspective, I think it would make me lean a little bit more in Philadelphia's favor, and I'm not so sure this will be a close ball game. Patrick Mahomes, yes, he faced pressure in the AFC Championship, but I don't think he's faced anything resembling or any even close to resembling the pressure he's going to get from this Eagles defense. That front four or front seven for the Eagles is downright scary. And if you have somebody dealing with a with an injury, a high ankle sprain like Mahomes is doing. Yes, I know the statistics inside the pocket. He is a tremendous generational quarterback talent. But you give the Eagles that little bit, you give them an inch, they're going to take a mile. I'm kind of leaning towards Philadelphia too, Pat, because I think their defense is going to make the difference. Uh, you look at them in terms of just total defense. They're second in the NFL. Now you roll over to points per game, and they're sort of in not quite in the middle of the pack, but still with inside the top ten. They've been terrific all season long. Kansas City sort of falls off on both those categories. But, you know, defense wins championships. Offense sells tickets. Well, you should sell plenty of tickets to this one because these are two extremely good offensive teams. I'm looking forward to it, but I'm going to hedge my bet, Smitty, if you will. I'm going to hedge my bet on Philadelphia to pull this one out and get to their second Super Bowl championship in the last, gosh, what, six years for them and deny Kansas City another one. And Kansas City starting to become like the Dallas Cowboys, Buffalo Bills, where they're always in the Super Bowl, it appears. But I think the one thing I am excited about, which was not the case in my formative years back during the 80s and early 90s when I was really getting into football and all the Super Bowls were awful. 
the NFC Championship game was the one you wanted to watch because whomever came out of that was going to destroy whoever came out on the other side. It's not the case anymore. The NFL's done a terrific job with parity. But, uh, Smitty, I'm going to take Philadelphia, and you get the final say, since we've got to cut you loose, you get the final say here tonight on our Super Bowl round table here this evening on Sports Talk. Well, you guys are in the majority. About 70% of the money that's been wagered in Vegas is on Philadelphia, and that's why they and, and they're slight favorite there. But I'm going to take Kansas City by a kick. But as I said, I don't think either one of them gets really loose here, and it will come down to some fourth down conversions, whether it be Philadelphia or Kansas City. As you said, when I was growing up, 80s, 90s, the Super Bowl, that was an excuse to get together. Uh, and it was a way to teach the young kids in the room Roman numerals because it wasn't about the game. It was blowout after blowout. Not the case now. I expect an instant classic, and I'll take the Chiefs by a field goal. Uh, good luck getting Andy Reid on your shoulders. wanted to give uh, Smitty a chance to uh, say goodbye. And, uh, but we, Pat and I, aren't going anywhere, so we want to hear from you on the other side of the timeout. We'll come back, get into your phone calls, 888-898-2525. Plus, the pastor of pain, Corey Miller, joins us just after 6.30 on this Super Bowl Friday edition of Sports Talk. We're back after this. Have you turned on the fun? Try Cash Pop from the South Carolina Education Lottery. Pick one number from 1 to 15, win up to $2,500. Or play all 15 numbers and you're guaranteed to win. Play twice a day to double your fun. It really is that easy. Visit sceducationlottery.com to get the details. Cash Pop, it's the light of the party. Hi, I'm Jim Corbett. I've been an attorney for more than 30 years. There's one thing I've learned about injury cases. It's you need the personal touch. You need the lawyer to get to know you and describe your damages. You don't want a case manager talking to an insurance company and then talking to you and then talking to maybe to a lawyer with limited experience at the last minute to try to settle a case. I talk to you. I find out what your case is about. Jim at JimCorbettAttorney.com. Jim at JimCorbettAttorney.com for your injury cases. Sports Talk, Sports Talk Media Network on our Super Bowl Spectacular. Really good to have Smitty on with Pat and me. Didn't get a chance to have him on for the entire show. So we thought a roundtable discussion with Smitty would be a lot of fun. And Pat, how about that uh, fourth down conversion rate that he threw at us? That and the uh, good luck putting, hoisting um, Andy Reid up on your shoulders. I thought there were two of his better lines during that segment. Loved it. And yes, Smitty always brings a little extra flair, a little extra comedy to the show, and it's uh, great, greatly appreciated. But yeah, that, that seems like a tremendous prop bet for anybody out there looking to, to gamble a little bit. Just with the amount of times throughout the season we've seen the Eagles successfully capitalize on fourth down conversions, that, that's an awfully enticing, I believe it's uh, uh, over under one and a half for this. That, that's unbelievable. Very tantalizing bet. 
no doubt. It should be a lot of fun on Sunday. We want to hear from you, Corey Miller, on the way. By the way, we just got word that K.J. Wright, who was scheduled to be with us at 7 o'clock, had to cancel, which is disappointing. We were looking forward to chatting with him. So he'll not be with us, but uh, just after 7, we will hear from Dawn Staley. She had a press conference a bit earlier today to uh, chat about their matchup with LSU coming up on a Sunday. If it weren't Super Bowl Sunday, that would obviously be, I think, Pat, the biggest game around the country this weekend. But there's another pretty big football game that will take precedence over that, I would think. I would agree with you there. But for sports fans out there, we've got quite quite a weekend of sports. Lots of big basketball matchups around the country. Locally, you get to see Clemson, North Carolina on Saturday. Mm-hmm. But then, yes, yeah, Sunday, that, that game between the USC women's basketball team and LSU should be a barn burner. It should be spectacular. You know the CLA is going to be raucous. The crowd will be very, very into it. Uh, LSU comes in into Columbia feeling as though they have something to prove. We saw last week some public comments from LSU, including from head coach uh, Kim Mulkey, about they felt as though they should have been moved up to the number two team in the country after Stanford lost, but instead watched Indiana leapfrog them. A lot of folks would point to LSU only has one win over a ranked team this season, and that team is no longer ranked, I believe. And so that is certainly, certainly hurting them. But one would think that is going to give a little bit extra motivation to the Tigers from Baton Rouge to come in and prove themselves against the Gamecocks. All right, so Pat and I both like Philadelphia. Smitty's going with Kansas City. How about you on the Sports Talk South Carolina Education Lottery as we head off to the phones and say hello to Ron in Greenville. Ron, you were up first on this uh, Super Friday night. Welcome into Sports Talk. I appreciate it, guys. How y'all doing? We're doing great. How about yourself? I'm doing good. I'm going to take – I'll take – Kansas City. Okay. Why do you, you like know the Chiefs why? over the Eagles? Mm-hmm. I like the Chiefs over the Eagles because 70% of the money is going on Philadelphia. I just can't see Las Vegas losing money. <laughs> That's a great Does point. that make sense? Yeah, it makes perfect sense. What is it? Right. If all the, uh, all the money is on one team, you go the opposite way. That's where the good money is on Kansas City. Yeah, and also, you know, I don't, I mean, really basketball fans don't care anything about the LSU-South Carolina game Sunday. I saw LSU for about three times. They're too small to hang with South Carolina. South Carolina beat them by uh, double digits, no doubt about that. Okay. Ron, I think you're right. Appreciate the phone yeah. call, Ron. Have a good weekend. Wait, whoa, Enjoy whoa, 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 oh, whoa, whoa. Go. Ahead. go. Uh, I've got two things to say. Sure. I saw a, a Wednesday night, I saw our college basketball game I never have seen before. And you know who that was? That was no. Furman and VMI on ESPN+. Plus. Furman made over 23-point shots <laughs> and won that game. They are a good basketball and, team, and that's how they play. Yeah, they love to shoot the three. You, you know, we don't talk enough about Furman. Well, because Clemson and South Carolina doesn't, doesn't have them on the schedule. But Furman beat South Carolina 19 points when they played early in the year in a tournament. Okay, that's one thing. Another thing, you know what happens a week from today? Daytona 500. College baseball starts a week <laughs> from today. That is right. That is right. Daytona will be on Sunday. Yeah, and I'll tell you what, I'm very disappointed in Furman University because they dumped baseball last year. So Furman doesn't have a team, and I don't know why. I just can't see where it costs 
that much money to fill a baseball team because they were half their danger at home and they wouldn't have to pay for that. So, uh, and then, and I just don't, I don't understand that. No, I agree with you. I think we were all surprised when Furman dumped their baseball team. It's a shame. Hopefully on down yeah. the road they will reinstate baseball because our state is so good with college baseball. It would be nice to have another team like Furman that maybe can contend with Wofford in the Southern Conference. Yeah, I promise you. I've already called Furman and talked to them about it. So uh, they, they probably know my number and block it. <laughs> Get them, Ron. <laughs> okay, guys, I'll let y'all go to break. Thank you, Ron. We appreciate it. Enjoy the game this weekend. Pat, we got enough time to squeeze in Jerome. Maybe we can hold him over through the break. Yeah, Jerome, if you can hear us, if you'll, if you'll hang over, we can get you in quickly after the break. I, I don't yeah, want to squeeze you here. Yeah, I'm guessing Jerome has plenty to say about the football game this weekend, so I don't want to shortchange him going into the Super Bowl, even with Dallas not involved. And plus, since Corn's not here, he's got the night off, we don't have to worry about the 15-minute intro to get to Jerome. That's exactly so we'll right. We're bring him right in. So we're looking forward to that. All right, so uh, callers, stay patient. We'll get to you coming out of the break. Also, Corey Miller, the pastor of pain. How do NFL players handle not making a Super Bowl? Or if they're in the Super Bowl, what is that week like? Get Corey's take on all of that, plus Dawn Staley to come, and birdies, bogeys, and biceps around South Carolina. Super Bowl Eve Eve here across the state of South Carolina on Sports Talk, Sports Talk Media Network. If you'd like to be a part of the program, love to hear from you on the South Carolina Education Lottery lucky number at 888-898-2525. To back up Ron's point from a couple of moments ago about how good Furman has been this season shooting threes coming off the VMI game, Furman is actually ranked 12th nationally, not locally, 12th nationally in three-pointers made per game right at 10 a contest. That's the way Bob Ritchie's club plays, and they, uh, they excel with the three-point shot. More of your phone calls, your thoughts about the ball game coming up on a Sunday. Who you like and why, Chiefs or Eagles? So we thought we would get some expert opinion as well. And joining us right now on our guest hotline, University of South Carolina Athletics Hall of Fame member, also a member of the New York Giants and the Minnesota Vikings. Had him on throughout the football season. We bring him back for the uh, big game this weekend. So we say hello to the pastor of pain. As Corey Miller joins us on the phone lines this afternoon. Corey, how you doing? Welcome in. What's up, guys? Hope you're doing well this afternoon. We are doing very well. How about you? I see you all over Twitter spreading the gospel. Looks like you're out in Texas. Yeah, I was out at uh, Grapevine, Texas uh, for Shriners International uh, Conference. Uh, kick things off to help them, you know, promote membership and fundraising so they can to do uh, some great things in our community, helping the children, you know, the children's hospital, and, and uh, you know, just been, been amazing. I've been doing a couple events with them in years past, and this one didn't disappoint. Uh, the only bad thing was in, uh, in a territory where a team hasn't won a Super Bowl or NFC Championship game in 28 years, so I had to remind all the Dallas fans out there about that. <laughs> so They didn't take that too kindly, but without the preaching and everything else went well. 
So what's more difficult for you, trying to sack an NFL quarterback or public speaking? What, which one's more difficult? Yes, sir. Uh, let's see. Uh, well, you know, I, I, public speaking now has kind of like football. It's just like riding a bike, you know. I do it so much. It's, don't think about it. You know, you go in, you're prepared, you know, uh, you know kind of what you're going to talk about. And, and then you use just the feel, you know, uh, feel of the room, the audience, uh, you know, and, and just go with the flow. I'm, I'm a guy that don't write speeches. Uh, I don't write sermons. Uh, I believe in just preparing, studying, knowing that the word is in you and, and ask God to help you deliver it. And uh, it normally goes well. You know, when I try to do what I think is best or what the people want to hear, it, it normally don't go as well. So uh, I think it's about the same. You know, it's, mm-hmm. I, I pursue it. I, I bring pressure. Um, and I have a good time, you know, enjoying it. It's a lot of joy. So uh, I think I will put them both on par with each other. USC Hall of Fame member Corey Miller with us here tonight. And, Corey, refresh my memory. If I'm not mistaken, you were drafted right after the Giants won their Super Bowl back in 1990, correct? That is correct. So what Desert was it Storm, like? Going... That was Whitney Houston and Desert Storm. Mm-hmm. Still probably Florida, the yeah. best national anthem performance in the history of the Super Bowl. But anywho, yeah. uh, what was it like being drafted into a franchise coming off a Super Bowl? How much pressure was on the incoming rookie class to try and maintain and continue that <laughs> solid play? It was tough, you know, uh, watching that game. And, you know, I've always idolized Bunk Taylor, the Giants defense. Uh, and then when you get that phone call from George Young, was the general manager at the time, and Bill Parcells just saying that, hey, we're going to bring you in, we drafted you. Uh, you know, be on the plane the next day, you're out, and, and uh, let the parcels basically tell the rookies, hey, we just won the Super Bowl. We don't really need any of you. <laughs> the bus going to be at 7 a.m. You get on it, or if you don't get on it, we're good. I keep all the guys I just won the Super Bowl with. So that right there caused a lot of anxiousness, right? But, um, you know, you get to, to that stadium, and you, I was 57, so I had, you know, Carl Banks and LT and, and Pepper Johnson, all these guys that Leonard Marshall, you know, that you saw played, you right there in the middle of them. Uh, it was awesome. It was nerve-wracking, but, you know, after you get that first hit, you know, get in the huddle with them and, you know, hey, I can play this game at a high level too. And uh, it was great, though. You know, really wasn't any pressure because it really just becomes like, this is my dream, man. This is what I always wanted to do, and I'm here, and I'm going to take the full advantage of it. And, and uh, I blended in very well as a, as a Giants linebacker. Corey Miller with us here tonight. Looking forward to Super Bowl 57, Kansas City and Philadelphia on Sunday. My guess is you do not want Philadelphia to win, having been a longtime division rival with the Giants. However, how do you see Sunday playing out? Well, you know, that situation was kind of strange. I was doing an interview uh, the other day, and uh, people have asked me about that. You know, being in the NFC East, uh, you know, tell the folks there in the grapevine, I don't like Dallas. I don't like the Eagles either. I mean, the Eagles could be worse. I mean, you know, Donald Stanley's wearing the Eagles jersey on the sideline. You know, but, you know, it just really drives me nuts. But, but here's the thing, you know, I have an issue. You know, being at my son Christian played at Alabama, I'm really, really good friends with Jalen Hurts' father, Avion Hurts. Uh, we became really good friends over, you know, the five years that uh, Christian played down there in Tuscaloosa and so I got to pull for Jalen, right? I got to pull for Devontae. You know, these are teammates. I think Christian has four teammates on the Eagles team. And 
none on the Kansas City team. No Gamecocks on that team either. So, uh, but I am a fan of Patrick Mahomes. But I, you know, I, I'm, I'm kind of with my head. I guess with my head of heart, hoping that the Eagles win. Knowing what Jalen went through, having to be replaced, you know, in the national championship game and, uh, against Georgia, and then coming in and resurrecting Alabama and the the next year in the SEC championship game. And I have so much, you know, gratitude and respect for him as a player, knowing how hard he worked to get where he is. And so it's hard to pull against uh, him. I mean, I'm gonna pull for the players. If the Eagles lose, I'm not going to cry about it. I can tell you that. <laughs> so if you were on Kansas City's defense, how would you get to Jalen Hurts uh, up against what most people believe is the best offensive line in football right now? Yeah, they're really good up front. I mean, they do a phenomenal job. And But when you think about the, the offense, you know, the RPO game, zone reads, and then things like that, it's very difficult. It puts – as a linebacker, I can tell you it puts a lot of pressure on you. I kind of liken it to playing against an option. You know, option, you got to be disciplined, right? You can't just come off the ball like you normally do. you got to play slow, play everything. You know, as he puts in the belly of that back, he's going to give it, he's going to keep it. You know, he's reading that defensive end, sometimes the outside linebacker. You know, so you have to play a little bit cautious. It's hard. It puts a lot of pressure on the defense, and I think that's going to happen with Kansas City. You know, Kansas City – it's not a great defense. Uh, they're opportunistic, and they're better, I think, when it's third and long, when they're passing situations. But they've been horrible against stopping the run, and that's a concern for me for the Chiefs. Um, and this, the way they run the ball, their run game is tremendous because if you look at the San Francisco tape and you look at Fred Warner, who I think is the best inside linebacker in the game right now, he basically had to freeze, you know, before you decide what you're going to do. Um, because you go running up in there, the A gap or the B gap, he pulls it. You know, here goes Jalen. No, no, he's not running it. He's going to throw the RPO game. So it's like run pass options are very, very hard. So, you know, you have to be extremely sound. you got to be great on first down. You want to make them one-dimensional. You want to make them, Jalen Hurts in this case, beat you throwing the football. He's a much better passer. But I would take my chance on him throwing it 30 times than letting them get in their rhythm. I mean, because – one mistake, touchdown. We've seen it numerous times. Mm-hmm. So, if you you know, you don't have the right gap. You, you, your gap, the sound is off. They're going to exploit you in the run game. They're going to get those explosive plays. So, you know, this is going to be one of those games, and I said this on the show earlier today, uh, you know, if, if, if Philadelphia is able to run for 150 or more yards, they're going to win the game. I just They're going to be ball control, Patrick Mahomes on the sideline. It's going to be extremely difficult for them under the win this football game. So it's going to be fun to watch the chess matchup, uh, you know, how they just try to defend this offense because it's really, really difficult. Offensive line is great, but the way they run the football and RPOs, it just puts tremendous pressure on the defense. So, Corey, put yourself in Andy Reid's shoes knowing that, and if they can play ball control, it would appear that Kansas City almost has to score every time they have the football. So with that offense as explosive as it is, can Casey hope to perhaps outscore Philadelphia on Sunday? I think so. You know, Patrick Holmes is a bad man. You know what I mean? He is phenomenal. And, and you know, Andy Reid, uh, you know, Eric the enemy, the offensive coordinator, is going to draw up something. They're not going to come out with a basic candidate to the offense. You've got to understand Andy Reid. He's going to have some different plays uh, to run in this ball game. They're going to do something different. They're going to try to steal possessions. Um, you know, Travis Kelsey. You know, they got everything that they need to do 
offensively. You know, I have a little bit concern because of the, the uh, AFC Championship game. I mean, the three wide receivers starting guys went out. Uh, so, but Patrick Mahomes still got the ball in the hands of playmakers. Uh, and that's why it's hard to bet against him. I mean, he just phenomenal. We talk about the high ankle sprain. I mean, when he had to run in and get the first down, he got it. Um, he stood in the pocket. He changed his game a little bit uh, more so. You know, he's on those off-schedule plays and moving around in the pocket. He's tremendous at that. But he's shown last week, hey, two weeks ago, if I didn't stand in the pocket, I can do that too. So it, to answer your question, absolutely. Especially those guys, the receivers are healthy with Travis Kelsey, those backs, McKinnon, those guys, I think there's a trio back that they use, uh, Pacheco. All these guys are good runners that give catches out of the backfield. They have a phenomenal offensive system. So if they need to score 40, you know, Kansas City can score 40 if it comes to that shootout. And if they are in a shootout, matter of fact, I like Kansas City better than Philadelphia in that type of ballgame. Let you get out of here on this. Back to your days with the New York Giants, especially coming off that Super Bowl run they had during the 1990 regular season. What did you learn from the veterans about how they handled Super Bowl week and how difficult is that Super Bowl week leading up to the game with tickets and media and the whole nine yards? And obviously it's gotten much, much worse, I would think, in terms of demands on the players. But what did you take from the guys like, say, Lawrence Taylor and how they handled the Super Bowl week? Well, you know, the biggest thing was the tickets. I just remember the guys, you know, trying to figure out how they're going to distribute those tickets. You're going to get all kinds of calls from family members and everybody now all of a sudden know who you are and you, this is this is your cousin, four fifth cousin and Uncle Jojo <laughs> and Aunt Betsy and everybody's calling you, you know, wanting tickets. So that that was the biggest thing. Number two is how do you deal with the media? You know, you know it's, it's crazy media from all over the United States, matter of fact all over the world. Uh, you gotta deal with that. Um, and then the parties, all the extracurricular activities, you know, you gotta be very disciplined in your free time, not getting caught up in the hype. I can tell you this from, you know, not just learning from my teammates who play the Super Bowls, but covering the Super Bowls, knowing, you know, mm-hmm. uh, guys that have been there before is that, you know, you got to be disciplined. You know, you got to get your rest. You got to, uh, you know, really monitor your time well, not getting caught up in all the pageantry and the theatrics that goes along with the Super Bowl. It's a business trip. It's not, hey, we're at Disney World or some, you know, no, no, no. This is business. And a team that is able to handle that. Matter of fact, in one of my breakdowns, I said just that. I like Kansas City because they've been there. Jalen Hurts haven't been there. Those guys, the Eagles, some of those guys haven't been there. I know they won Super Bowl a few years back, but maybe they don't handle that as well, right? Uh, and I think Kansas City's going to be ready for the moment. And Reed been there numerous times. He's going to have this team prepared. But you know, I can tell you this. The Buffalo Bills went to four straight Super Bowls and lost all of them. And back in the day, knowing Jim Kelly, Thurman Thomas, you know, Bruce Smith, you know, Andre Reid, I'm friends with all these guys. They got caught up in the scene. They were a team that liked the festivities and the fun, right? Hmm. And they didn't perform well. They, they went 0-4. So you have to be able to handle all of the extras that come with it because Everything is going on around you. Hey, matter of fact, there's a golf event happening the same week, by the way. You know, the Phoenix <laughs> Open is going on. So the team that handles the distractions the best uh, will win this football game. I mean, cause when you kick it off, it's just blocking and tackling. It's football as we know it. And uh, you just go play the game. But, I, you know, I love the fact we got two black quarterbacks for the first time facing yeah. each other. We've had black quarterback winning, obviously. But 
the two black quarterbacks facing each other for the first time is, is amazing to me. So I'm excited about that. And I think it's going to be a really, really good game. I'm, I'm, I'm saying the Eagles are going to win this game. Um, I think they're going to pull it out. But if Patrick Mahomes gets the second Super Bowl, I wouldn't be disappointed and probably be a little bit more happy because Tom Staley won't be tweeting all the time and all these <laughs> Eagles come up, fly Eagles flying, climbing up buildings and light poles and all the foolishness that they do. <laughs> well, obviously, I've got to ask you now, since you brought Don Staley up, what do you see happening, the appetizer to the Super Bowl on Sunday with the USC women going for their 31st straight win against LSU? Man, you know, uh, this team is so prepared. I love the fact that how she sets her schedule up. And I know people ask her, why do you play these hard games in regular season? You know, why do you play UCLA and UConn and all these? Because they are preparing her for one conference play and teams like LSU, and then once they get into the tournament, this is a very, very excellent basketball team. Uh, too deep. Matter of fact, their second team might be a top ten team if they went up broke off. They will be in the top ten because their bench scoring is just as much as the starters. And uh, you know, with Raven coming off the bench, I mean, they 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 attack you in many ways. They wear you down defensively. They're long. They 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 rebound the basketball. Um, but this is going to be a game, I think, at home at the CLA. Uh, the fans are going to be great. It's going to be loud. Uh, and I think, you know, what they have said about this basketball team, from calling them thugs and are they beating up players and what Geno's been saying, um, I think this team is going to be fired up and ready to go and show that they are the standard in women's college basketball and, for sure, the standard in SEC in women's basketball. And I, I would expect nothing less uh, than this team being ready to go and winning this basketball game. USC Hall of Famer, former New York Giant and Minnesota Viking, uh, Corey Miller with us, the pastor of pain here tonight to look forward to Super Bowl 57 on Sunday. Corey, outstanding stuff. Glad to get you back on one final time before the uh, football season comes to a conclusion. Enjoy the game on Sunday, and we'll talk back to you in the fall. Sounds good, guys. One more thing. It's Phil Cornblue with Aaron Rodgers and four days of darkness somewhere. <laughs> you, you think Phil is saying he's in Chicago, but they're, him and Aaron Rodgers probably like Kumbaya and in a dark room and they can't see daylight for four days. I want him. That's where he's at. I think it's an interesting theory. It it really is. It's an interesting (laughs) theory. I think you may be onto something, Corey. Thank you, pal. All right, guys. Enjoy the rest of your weekend, man. Yes, sir. Thank you. You too. That's Corey Miller, the pastor of pain. I hadn't thought about that, Pat. Phil says he's in Chicago visiting with his family up there, but uh, maybe he went to Green Bay to pick up Aaron Rodgers and take him into some dark cave somewhere. We can neither confirm nor deny the reports of Phil Kornblut and Aaron Rodgers being together. (laughs) Could you possibly imagine those two in a dark cave? It'd be really interesting, wouldn't it? Sure would, absolutely. (laughs) All right, Corey moves on. That means we've got room for you on the South Carolina Education Lottery lucky number, 888-898-2525. Recruiting coming up in just a little while. Dawn Staley's comments. Birdies, bogeys, and biceps around South Carolina. But we get back to your phone calls on the other side of this. It's Sports Talk on a Super Bowl Friday night. George Bryant here for Tsunami Bar Sports. And some say the fun is in the winning. I say the fun is in the training. And Tsunami Robbie, what do you say? George, we all know you get more done when you're having fun. This technology is different. It's engaging. But it's also a lot of fun to use. Hi, this is Phil Kornblut. Be sure to click on the digital ad on sportstalksc.com and get 5% off any Tsunami Bar order using promo code BBB5. Don't wait. Order today. 
Major Downer here from the South Carolina Department of Natural Resources. Boating season is just around the corner. To make sure that your boat is ready, check your registration sticker and ensure it's current. Find your registration card, make sure your life jackets are in good shape, and check your fire extinguisher as well. For more information on boating or boat tiling questions, visit dnr.sc.gov backslash boating. Sports Talk, Super Bowl Friday night here on the program. Chris and Pat, Corn's got the evening off. Smitty was with us a little bit earlier for our Super Bowl roundtable. We've got plenty of room for you over the next, gosh, what, uh, an hour and ten minutes before we wrap things up for the week at 888-898-2525. That's the Sports Talk Education Lottery lucky number. And did you know that since 2002, more than $6 billion in lottery proceeds have been used to support South Carolina educational programs? Learn more about the South Carolina Education Lottery impact at sceducationlottery.com slash education wins playing for fun is a win for education big thank you to Corey miller ran out of time pat or i would have asked him about this having been a former gamecock himself and a member of the usc athletic hall of fame but news out today i guess late last night it finally broke and it appears that oklahoma and texas are going to be able to finally divorce themselves from the big 12 when they thought they would they, according to ESPN.com, Oklahoma and Texas have agreed in principle to pay the Big 12 a total of $100 million to join the SEC in 2024, a year earlier than they had originally intended. The conference announcing that last night. The agreement is subject to the final approval from Oklahoma and Texas's governing boards, while the price tag, a fee that the league is describing as foregone distributable, uh, distributable revenues, seems like a hefty amount to pay for the early exit. Both schools are expected to be able to partially op- offset the cost with a future set of revenues. Uh, Let's see. As I have consistently stated, the conference would only agree to an early withdrawal if it was in our best interest for Oklahoma and Texas to depart prior to June 30th of 2025. Big Ten Commissioner Brett Yormick uh, said in a statement, by reaching this agreement, we are now able to accelerate our new beginning as a 12-team league and move forward in earnest with our initiatives and future planning. So obviously this was going to be messy, Pats, but getting the Sooners and Longhorns in early, at least a year early, big deal, somewhat of a big deal, or just no deal at all? I think it's a really big deal. And mm-hmm. the, what I'm most excited to see is that you got to think the biggest topic at the SEC meetings this spring is going to be the future schedules. And now they really have to get this going quickly. We've seen several different models kind of thrown out there for how they may go about doing this schedule, but I'm, I'm most excited just to just to see who's going to play whom and what rivalries this might rekindle. I mean, now the first one that jumps out to me or one of them is Texas A&M in Texas. We get to see now, I realize that may not affect people around here as much, but especially people out in Texas in that region of the country, A&M versus Texas was a huge, yes, huge was. matchup, and that's been missing now for a number of years since A&M joined the SEC so I would certainly think that they might see a rekindling of that. All right, basketball news. This is somewhat interesting because it doesn't appear to make any sense to me at all. Teddy Valentine, you know him best, an official, as TV Teddy because he used to always appear on the biggest stage, the biggest ball games, worked several Final Fours. But Teddy Valentine, Pat, you'll get to see him tomorrow up in North Carolina for their matchup with Clemson. 
That is the easy part to understand. What I don't get, though, if he's able to work what is an important game in the ACC, then explain this story, which came out today as well, that Ted Valentine, who has worked 10 Final Fours in four national title games, will not be allowed to officiate the NCAA tournament for the second consecutive season due to an issue that occurred during the 2021 NCAA tournament, which was held inside the bubble in Indianapolis, according to the stadium. This is very disappointing because Ted is poised in big games, one ACC coach told the stadium. He's still one of the top guys out there, and he's claimed the drama down in the last couple of, calmed the drama down, rather, in the last couple of years. Valentine was one of six of the sport's top officials that was removed from the NCAA tournament in 2021. After one test positive for COVID-19, the officials checked into their hotel, but their rooms weren't ready and were told by someone representing the NCAA that they were allowed to leave the hotel for dinner. Valentine and several other officials all went to a steakhouse in downtown Indianapolis. Upon their return to the hotel, they took COVID-19 tests, and one of the officials tested positive. Due to the fact that they ate together and weren't wearing masks, the Indiana Department of Health deemed them unable to work in the NCAA tournaments. So I had you read this story earlier because I, I don't understand how something that occurred in 2021 can affect him in 2023. He doesn't have COVID now, does he? And he's tried to re- reapply to work the NCAA tournament. He was banned last year as well. Yeah, I don't understand that at all. And yeah, for the se- that, that really jumped out to me. That last part that you just said, this is now the second and consecutive season that the NCAA Division I Men's Basketball Committee has denied his reinstatement bid to be eligible for the tournament. But they have already said he will be eligible for the 2024 tournament provided he meets certain criteria requirements they're giving him, whatever that may be. But this just... He's one of the best referees we have in the game. And right now, one of the constant complaints across all sports, men and women, college, professional, amateur, whatever, is the officiating. We're constantly Mm -hmm. talking about how what can we do to make the officiating better. And then we have decisions like this where you're punishing a guy who seemed to follow the rules, was given permission to go out and do stuff, and now he's not being allowed to referee. It just seems like that's hurting the game more than it is him. Yeah, it's almost that situation where you – you know, spite your, you know, chop off your nose despite your face. Why? I mean, unless, again, unless he's got COVID right now, and if that's the case, he shouldn't be working North Carolina Clemson tomorrow. But if you're comfortable enough as the ACC to put him into a game, which is a critically important one for both teams, don't know why he couldn't work the NCAA tournament next year or this year as well. Welcome back to Sports Talk on the Sports Talk Media Network. You can reach the guys with the South Carolina Education Lottery lucky number, 888-898-2525. That's 888-898-2525. Now back to Phil, Chris, and Pat with the second hour of Sports Talk on the Sports Talk Media Network. Just Chris and Pat tonight here on Sports Talk. It's our Super Bowl special here this evening. Actually, had Smitty drop by during the uh, first segment of the show, our Super Bowl roundtable. Looking forward to the 57th installment of the big game on Sunday between Philadelphia and Kansas City. 888-898-2525. We've got recruiting coming up this hour. We'll try and squeeze in some Dawn Staley this hour as well as they get ready for that showdown on Sunday with third-ranked LSU. By the way, the interesting stat about that game, then we get back to the phones. It is just the eighth time in SEC women's basketball history that two AP top three teams have squared off against one another. And, Pat, it's the first time that Tennessee has not been involved in said matchup. So that last part there is unbelievable. And it, it 
I think we're all kind of pulling for Tennessee a little bit just to get back to where they once were under mm-hmm. under legendary coach Pat Summit. Uh, and, and they're they're making their way there. They have a lot of talent on that team this season. They just they just can't seem to win the close ball games yet. All right, so we'll let you hear from Dawn Staley in just a little bit, but let's head back to the phones on the South Carolina Education Lottery. Lucky number at 888-898-2525 as we head down to the low country. Say hello to Sam. Sam, you're up next here on Sports Talk. Good Friday evening, my friend. Hey, Chris, Pat. Have you guys been doing well? Um, I have a couple of questions for you if you have time. We always have time for you, Sam. Awesome. Well, actually, uh, four things I want to talk about. Um, the college, the college of Charleston men's basketball team is traveling to Hampton, Virginia. Um, what is your um, overall reaction to that game? Number two question is that um, I went to my high school um, last night, and I was not surprised our football team did really well. I know how we're going to look next year for Bishop England football. Number three, um, I was listening to your comment about the um, the South Carolina football game. I'm sorry, football recruiting class. Um, do you guys have out of state in in Charleston, South Carolina? And number four, I want to tell you that. Um, if the Chelsea Cougars go to the March Madness, do you think they are win the whole thing this year? Because I'm going. Excellent. Well, that's a lot of good stuff. You hit on several different topics, Sam. We appreciate the call. First off, Pat, I think if Charleston should blow out Hampton tomorrow, uh, that's a game they have to win and look pretty impressive doing so. I mean, that's a Hampton team that's 6-19 and on the year, and the Cougars are 23-3. and I, I just don't see any way that Charleston struggles in that game at all. I don't either, and they already beat Hampton once this season by 28 points. They were able to rest their starters a lot of the second half. Uh, Hampton's having a, a tough year. They're down towards the bottom of the conference. They're 6-19 and 19 overall, but you're right. This cannot be close. Charleston mm-hmm. is at a position right now where they not only need to continue winning ball games, but and I don't like this aspect of sports, but we talk about style points. We hear it more in football. Sometimes we, when we reference Clemson being in the ACC, they have to almost blow out a lot of their opponents just to show that separation, well, Charleston's having to do the same thing. Unfortunately, the CAA is still viewed as a it is a one-bid league, and right now Charleston and Hofstra and Towson and UNC Wilmington throw them in a, a little bit behind Hofstra and Charleston. They're all fighting for that one bid, and winning the regular season won't be enough, but they need to have some really big wins uh, throughout the rest of the year in order to potentially, if they are a bubble team and get knocked out of the tournament, to have any hope of getting that second bid from the conference. And mentioned this last night, but want to point out again, something right now that's hurting the Cougars. They've only played against one ranked team and unfortunately lost to North Carolina, yep. second game of the season. But they had two wins that, at the time, a lot of us thought were going to be viewed as really good wins, quadrant one wins. And that was over Colorado State and Virginia Tech, who I believe were both NCAA tournament teams last season. But now neither of them are being able to match their performances last year. They're both struggling a bit. Virginia Tech's picking it up a little bit. But the Cougars really need both Colorado State and Virginia Tech to finish strong to also help out the Cougars. 
Well, the concern you have in a one-bit league like the Colonial, like the Big South, like the Sun Belt, and the whole nine yards, as good as the college has looked throughout this season and taking their recent struggles the past week or so when they dropped a couple of games out of the equation, they played some really, really good basketball. But, Pat, here's the unfortunate part of the NCAA tournament. None of that matters. For the college, the only thing that matters is their regular season or their postseason conference tournament. They win yeah. that. They could have gone 4-20. and 20 during the regular season, and they would be in the same boat as a team that may go 25-4 and four or whatever. It just It's infuriating to me. Now, what I do like is the NIT has got a little safety net for teams like the college um, where if they don't win the NCAA, uh, excuse me, their conference basketball tournament, however, do win the regular season, they will at least get to go to the NIT in the postseason, but that's not what the kids are hoping for. And, Sam, I hate to break your heart, brother, but no, I don't think the college is going to win the national championship in basketball. They're good. They're not on that level, though, with, say, Purdue. But I would have told you before the season began, Pat, that I felt like the team you're going to see tomorrow in North Carolina was going to uh, head back to the Final Four and win the national championship this year because they had everybody coming back. So Gosh, tells you what and, we know about the, about the game. Well, you, we're not alone. I mean, I think experts across the country, hell, they were ranked number one coming into the end of the season. Mm-hmm. Most everybody saw their potential in the NCAA tournament last year when we're talking about the Tar Heels and just expected to see the same thing this year since basically everybody came back. Now, Walker Kessler is gone, and help me out, uh, redhead, bushy hair, bushy beard, he had a funny last name. He was also a big guy who came in. Those two guys were tremendous for the Tar Heels last year. They were kind of those bruisers underneath that weren't, weren't afraid to kind of swing some elbows a little bit and get a little bloody under the basket. And then Kessler, of course, adding that he was just a staunch defender at the rim he was that rim protector that Baycott is is good but having those twin towers underneath is something the Tar Heels don't have as much this year they've tried playing Nance a lot more the transfer he's starting to come on but still just doesn't quite have what the other guys did under the basket last year from a rim protection standpoint one more point on Charleston yes totally agree with you sorry Sam I don't think they have a chance of winning the tournament but they do have a chance of, of bringing some, making some noise and potentially mm-hmm. upsetting some people. Right now, Hofstra, in the latest Ju- Joe Lunardi bracketology, Charleston is viewed as next four out. So they are on the outside looking in, and Hofstra is being predicted to get that automatic bid from winning the tournament, and they're slated as a 13 seed. But as of right now, they're matched up against UConn, which quite frankly is a very winnable game. Yeah. And then they would have a second-round matchup potentially with Miami, and yes, the Hurricanes have looked good this year, but I don't think that's unwinnable either. Brady Manick is the young man you were trying to uh, reference with the uh, Thank red you, beard it. and the bushy hair. Yep, that's Brady Manick, and you're right. He was a key cog to their run to the Final Four last year for sure. Pat will be up in Chapel Hill tomorrow to see the uh, Tigers try and win again. We've never been able to say this before, but it would be their second win all time at Chapel Hill, and that would be a huge, huge victory for Brad Brownell's club after struggling here of late. They've got to stay out of foul trouble tomorrow. And, of course, the Gamecocks take on Ole Miss tomorrow as well, and that's uh, certainly a winnable ball game for USC, Pat, uh, if they play the way they have been playing the past couple of ball games. Now they play like they did the uh, first go-round, and I'm not sure that'll be the case. I apologize, Chris. I'm building the commercial break there, and I missed oh, no the second part of what you were asking me. Sorry about that. No, I was saying that's a winnable game for USC tomorrow unless they play like they did against Ole Miss the first go-around when they lost by 12, 70-58. So that's one I think they can win if they continue this recent trend, even though they haven't had anything to show for it, 
of playing pretty good basketball despite losing as many as they have in a row. It'd be nice to see them come out and actually get rewarded for some solid play here of late. You have to go back to, <laughs> and this is going to be one of the great mysteries of all time, their last and only win in the SEC at Kentucky. Yeah, what about that? And I think you're, you're, you're <laughs> we'll be able to explain that. <laughs> no, and I think you're exactly right. This matchup at Ole Miss, even though it is on the road down in Mississippi, is a very winnable matchup. Remember, there this first game, we talked a lot afterwards about the lack of effort from the Gamecocks mm-hmm. in that opening matchup, and then also they could not hit the broad side of a barn shooting the ball. They only shot 37% from the field, 25% from three, and 61% from the free throw line that game. They were drastically out-rebounded. I mean, looking at the stats, it was just a very, very poor performance by the Gamecocks. But it, but like you also said, they have really kicked it up a notch lately. It may not have translated into wins just yet for this Gamecock squad, but they certainly are being far more competitive, and this looks like a winnable, a winnable matchup for sure. Uh, and one last thing, I, d- I don't want to correct you necessarily, but Clemson, yes, they lost to North Carolina last year, but they do have an opportunity for the first time ever to have – consecutive wins in Chapel Hill. They mm-hmm. did win the matchup two seasons ago up there, and that is something the Tigers have never done before. <laughs> well, they had never won their period for the longest time. I was so, going to yeah, leave they're, that they're part trying, out, but yes, you're exactly right. Make a little history for sure. One team that does not have the same problems that the USC men have is the USC women's team, as they are number one in the country right now, riding a 30-game school record winning streak. And they've got a huge showdown coming up on a Sunday against third-ranked LSU. And a bit earlier today, USC head women's basketball coach Dawn Staley met with the media to preview the super showdown between the Gamecocks and Tigers. As they get set to play on a Sunday, it's a 2 o'clock, excuse me, it's a, a 2 o'clock tip time on ESPN. So not only will they be playing in front of a a national audience, the Colonial Life Arena is expected to be sold out. So it should be a a fascinating game for women's basketball and an opportunity for them to sort of showcase both LSU and USC, showcase where their programs are in front of a national audience. And here's what uh, women's basketball coach Dawn Staley had to say a bit earlier today. Oh, I know it's always seen. you got to say it's just one game and it doesn't mean more than any of the others. But does this one, considering all the hype that's around it, is it more than some of the others? Yeah, I think there are definitely some um, some um, some things that are near and dear to us. Um, you you take sole possession of uh, a first place in a, in a regular season conference play. So, yeah, it's a big deal. We, we want to win championships and... Um, in order for us to, you know, not be looking at the standings the way that that we would if we lose the basketball game, is you know, it's tough. So we'll, we'll give it a we'll give it a good go. Don, you've got a core group of players that have played in the biggest of games, but with this game during the regular season, is there maybe a little different buzz about it amongst the uh, players? No, I mean it's a big, they know it's a big game. Uh, I think uh, I think the UConn game helped us just prepare a little bit better just mentally uh, for going in, get going in there and the sold-out arena and just the hype of it. Um, so we've, we we just went through it. So I think it's it's helpful. Um, you know, I don't, I don't know what LSU is feeling right now, but it's, it's a big game. And hopefully both teams play and put on a show for our, for our sport. Don't look at Angel Reese. What's the biggest key to stopping her? <laughs> I mean, there isn't. There isn't. There really isn't any stopping her. Um, I think with, with somebody like like Angel, you got to make her play on both sides because she's super active. She's relentless. 
Um, she goes hard all the time. Um, so we gotta we gotta try to make sure that we use all our depth to show her different looks. Um, lean on her a little bit, just try to tire her out a little bit. But she's just a she's just a machine when it comes to rebounding the basketball and just winning. She's a competitor. Uh, going off of that, you guys played against her last year when she was in Maryland uh, and they came here. Just what kind of maybe leaps has she made in her game? Of course, she's you know the numbers have skyrocketed. But what are there any differences from last year to this year? Oh, I mean, I, I just more opportunity. Uh, I would say, and, I, and she had a lot of opportunity at Maryland, but she's she's the centerpiece uh, of it all. Sometimes when you when you take on that um, for players like a you know Angel Reese, she thrives in it. Um, and because of that, she's she's outdone her production at, at Maryland. A lot of talk about that matchup in the paint with Boston Reese, but how about Alexis Morris on the wing, kind of the perimeter? What's the challenge in slowing her down? That one scares me. <laughs> she does. She really does. She's efficient. Um, she can create her own shot. She's able to. She she's able to um, facilitate. I mean, she's been in this league for a long time, and she knows it. Um, and she's just good. She's very, very efficient. Like, like, she scares me. Like her, 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 her production scares me because there, there's really, there's no flaws in her game. Like she finds the right people. She makes the right decision, and she can flat out shoot the basketball. She score. Um, she can score however you, every, however she wants to score. She can score. Dawn Angel said this week she was thinking hard about South Carolina when she was leaving uh, Maryland. That probably would have caused you some roster issues down low, wouldn't it? No. There's always room for nature. There's always room for them. Uh, we would figure it out. We 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 to put it in a way that that uh that it makes sense for everybody. Yeah. But you you can't really pass that talent up. Yeah, I know we're all we all see it as Aaliyah and Angel. How do you think Aaliyah handles it? I mean does she look at it that way that she has to she's going up against Angel, one of the best players in the SEC? I, I, I don't know. I yeah. think I think the bottom line is Aaliyah wants to win. Like, she wants to win. Like, I, I look at her last night, and I'm like, man, you want you want the double-double? She's like, yeah, but, you know, no. Like, she wants it, but, I mean, I, I wasn't going to play it for an entire fourth quarter, but I did give her a minute or two to see if she can get those two rebounds, and she, shouldn't get, she didn't get it, you know, quickly. So I was just like, I'm not going to take a chance on it, and I talked to her, and she, she was good with it. All right, that's a little bit of Dawn Staley as she previewed Sunday's showdown with third-ranked LSU. As I mentioned earlier, just the eighth time that it, the SEC has had two teams ranked inside the top three in the Associated Press poll that meet. You've got top-ranked South Carolina, third-ranked LSU, and it's the first time in those eight meetings that Tennessee has not been a part of that matchup again Sunday at 2 p.m. We will be there. Pat's going to make the uh, long journey. He's going to go from Chapel Hill to Columbia, playing basketball for Pat this weekend. We'll have uh, Clemson covered up on our website, also South Carolina on the website as well, sportstalksc.com. Uh, and you can also hear Don Staley's entire press conference up on our website as well, sportstalksc.com. By the way, it was almost 70 degrees here along the coast in the PD today. And unless you're listening to us on the team down in uh, Myrtle Beach, you probably weren't there. So, 
make plans. James Smith Realty is where you need to go at PauliesVacationRentals.com. Pauly's Island is the place, and Jimmy Smith is the man who can take care of everything you need to plan your summer vacation. And I know from, from experience, folks, don't wait too much longer. We're in February, but May and June will be here before you know it. Go ahead and call Jimmy. Probably not right now. Give him a call on Monday, and that's the James Smith Real Estate Company. You can call them at 843-237-4246. Again, that's 843-237-4246 for your perfect beach getaway. All right, we've got birdies, bogeys, and biceps around South Carolina coming up at the bottom of the hour. But up next, yeah, even though corn's not here, we've got recruiting. We always have recruiting on Sports Talk, and we will do that presented by Seawell's. Right around the bend, so uh, stick around for that. We've got recruiting, and then George Bryan will take us to the uh, top of the hour on this Super Bowl Friday. You join us as well, 888-898-2525. We're back after this on Sports Talk. Show your team pride wherever you go with Founders Federal Credit Union's Collegiate Debit Cards. Get your University of South Carolina and Clemson University debit cards at any Founders office or by calling 1-800-845-1614. Plus, our debit cards are digital wallet ready, so you can pay however you please. Not a member? Visit RelaxJoinFounders.com or one of our 37 convenient locations to see if you qualify for membership. Terms and conditions apply. Founders Federal Credit Union is federally insured by NCUA. Life, it has its ups and downs. Sometimes it's little things like hitting every red light or dropping your cell phone. Maybe it's the bills, rent, or pressure at work. But when it comes to the South Carolina Education Lottery, you should never feel like playing will solve everything. The lottery is a game. It's played for fun. So set a dollar amount. Expect not to win and make sure responsibilities, family, friends, and work come first. Visit PlayResponsiblySC.com. Hard Rock Friday here with our bumper returns on a Sports Talk. We've got recruiting coming up in a couple of moments, but uh, let's head back to the phones. Visit with you on the uh, South Carolina Education Lottery lucky number. I want to get your take on the Super Bowl, Kansas City, Philadelphia. Who do you have winning and why? As we head down to the uh, Low Country, say hello to Rodney down in Mount Pleasant. Rodney, you're up next here on Sports Talk. Good evening, sir. Good evening, guys. Um, hopefully you're, you're doing well there um, in your neck of the woods. Um, one, I was telling Pat that, uh, of course, I'm a um, state Bulldog uh, alum, proud of it. Um, I had uh, meant to get in earlier, and I was going to tell you a, a number of things, but for right now, I'm going to try to keep it short and sweet. Um, in regards to the game this coming Sunday, there will be uh, three um, SC State Bulldogs that are part of either the Kansas City Chiefs or the Philadelphia Eagles. Um, we have the distinction of having it being um, one Bulldog to be on the field, that's uh, Javon on Hargrave. Um, on the sidelines for the Eagles, Eric Dickerson, he's a coach as far as for the Eagles. And then the next level up is the front office. Um, unfortunately, I've drawn a blank as far as his name, but he's the executive VP for um communications uh, for the Kansas City Chiefs. Um, the way how I always recognize him, whoever is 
they're going to put the microphone in, in front of um, at the end of the game. Um, if you look around that person, you know, in the chief that's talking, he'll be the, um, the ball-headed um, gentleman um, towards either to the left or, or right of it, whether it be Andrew Reid or um, Mahomes that's, that's talking. The mm-hmm. And other, Ronnie, you're thinking um, of Ted Cruz. That's, that's correct, Cruz. Um, I don't know why I was drawing a blank, but that, that is correct. He <laughs> had a chance okay. to um, work with Bill, Bill Hamilton before um, Bill Hamilton um, re, um, retired. But this is the other quick fact, and then I'll try to get back with you next week on it. Believe it or not, two SC State Bulldogs have played against each other in two different Super Bowls um, in, in, in um, period past. The first one was uh, Super Bowl nine with the Pittsburgh Steelers and the Minnesota Vikings. The next Super Bowl was more current. Um, it was the one that I always remember as John Riggins um, breaking through mm-hmm. that tackle. Um, it was uh, Charlie Brown was the wide receiver for the Redskins, and William Judson was on the Miami Dolphins. He was a, a defensive back. So the key thing is a, a Bulldog will come away with a, a Super Bowl ring, and here for the Low Country, um, it will be somebody from the Low Country with a, a Super Bowl ring because uh, the two players from uh, Fort Dorchester are on opposite sides of the, the field. So um, South Carolina, the state of South Carolina, will be re- represented as far as in um, this coming Super Bowl. That's outstanding stuff. We appreciate the phone call. No problem. Have a, a safe weekend. Thank you, sir. You too. Enjoy the game, Roddy. Appreciate it. All right. Time to dig in to a little recruiting. Why don't we, before we hit the uh, bottom of the hour and get birdies, bogeys, and biceps around South Carolina. Recruiting, of course, brought to you by our good friends at Seawells. Pat, I won't even ask if it was a roast beef Friday today because we missed it if that were the case. Corn Free Friday should be a roast beef Friday, though, at Seawells. Just to rub it in his face a little more, don't you think? Absolutely. And I made my way over there today, enjoyed... uh... I'm embarrassed to say, but three plates worth of it. It was uh, <laughs> it was quite delicious. They also mixed in the fried fish nuggets, which I just cannot get enough of. Everything was outstanding. And then don't forget, they also have all the local fixings you can handle, salad bar and dessert. Outstanding stuff. See Wells Catering SC.com for menu options. Forgive them a call at 803-771-7385. The state of South Carolina, home to three of the nation's premier offensive linemen in the 2024 class, one being Cam Pringle of Woodland. He's made his decision for South Carolina. A second, Blake Franks of Greenville, is torn between USC and Clemson. And the third, offensive tackle Josiah Thompson of Dillon, is not quite in the neighborhood of making a decision. Dillon head coach Kelvin Roller telling Sports Talk SC that I think he's talked about doing it sometime this spring at the latest before he gets into the summer. He could possibly uh, could do it before then. I know at the latest he said it would be in the spring, either this spring, late spring, or whatever, but like I said, that could always change. Thompson has named the top six of USC, Clemson, Georgia, Tennessee, Miami, and Florida. Visited both the in-state powers in USC and Clemson for their junior days in January and successive weekends. Roller said, I think he enjoyed both of them. He's been up to both places multiple times. I think he enjoyed it, and both schools have really recruited him hard. So he's got, so have some others around the country. He said he got a call from Alabama today as well. Thompson also plans to visit Tennessee, Georgia, and Alabama this spring. 
Sumter defensive tackle Calvin Har uh, Harvin rather, committed to Kentucky Christian. USC is in the top 10 with linebacker Xavier Hamilton of Navarre, Florida. The others are Georgia, Arkansas, Kansas, Michigan State, UCF, Florida State, Auburn, LSU, and Notre Dame. That's recruiting for this Friday night. Presented by Seawells. Four! Straight down the middle. It went straight down the middle. Then it started to hook just a wee, wee bit. And that's when my caddy lost sight of it. That little white pellet has never been found to this day. But why they have fairways right so you can hit it straight down the middle and it appears that scotty scheffler did a pretty good job of doing that today shot a 64 he leads at the waste management phoenix open at 10 under par two shots ahead of john rom as they continue to play the second round and phoenix adam hadwin is at minus eight as well tied for second with rom then you have wendell clark at minus seven and sung jm at minus seven those two tied for fourth with jason day just a stroke back at minus six. It's going to be a wild, wild weekend in Phoenix, if you can imagine, with the Super Bowl in town and also the PGA Tour events. And that's the lead-in to another round of birdies, bogeys, and biceps all across South Carolina. We'll get to Robbie Thames in just a couple of moments, but we say hello to George Bryan third on the phone lines. And uh, George, is it a good idea for the PGA Tour to try and always maybe have a tournament the weekend of the Super Bowl? Oh, absolutely. Absolutely. Mm -hmm. Absolutely. Plenty of room for golf and football. In fact, uh, I love football because it gives me the opportunity to play more golf. <laughs> and, uh, hey, hey, I'm glad uh, Phil gets to enjoy Chi-Town, and it's going to be fun mixing it up. Chris, we got to get Patrick. we got to pull him into this group. And Hey, let's go ahead and welcome Tsunami Robbie. Let's get him on the tee while, on Super Bowl weekend. Good evening, Tsunami Robbie. Good evening, everybody. Good to be with you. And, yes, Super Bowl weekend and in the same town, well, the same area uh, anyway. The uh, the uh, Phoenix Open is always exciting. Hole number 16, of course, has grown into a, uh, you know, it's got a life of its own, uh, the, way it, uh, the way it has that stadium around the hole. And uh, the golf has been pretty good there today. The winds were down and the scores have been low, and, and it's been exciting watching those guys play. So, Robbie, I was asking yeah. George about this. What is your takeaway? Should the PGA Tour, I realize some of the northern cities when the Super Bowl is there, it's probably not the best to play golf in February. But when you have a situation like this where you're in the locale out in the desert where the weather is going to be perfect for both games, wouldn't it make a, a lot of sense that the PGA Tour could try and follow the NFL around to the Super Bowl sites? I think it's a great idea for them and super marketing, I would think, for them. Yeah, you know, they and they the super or the NFL really tries to make it accommodating for the fans not to go to a you know a snowed in area or a place that could have some inclement weather that's tough to get around in uh, for the Super Bowl, even though they do from time to time. But uh, Las Vegas, uh, Los Angeles, San Diego, um, Phoenix, uh, uh, you know, obviously. So these are great locations, great venues. Lots of fans can show up. They can double dip on the sports excitement. And uh, it's great for the television viewer too. I'm gonna I'm gonna really enjoy Sunday watching the close out of this tournament, and also leading in right into to the uh, Super Bowl right after it. It's gonna be great. 
George Bryan III with us tonight, as is Tsunami Robbie. It's another installment of birdies, bogeys, and biceps all around South Carolina. So, uh, George, how's your week been? What has uh, struck your fancy with regards to golf here in South Carolina this week? Well, I'll tell you what, I was uh, waiting for uh, – I, I got a little feedback going on. I couldn't hear you all, and I actually uh, picked you back up. But my week's been fast and furious. This is boys' high school golf season. And just picked up just a few minutes ago, I learned one of my students, good friends, is going to be coaching the White Knoll High, high School golf team. So boys' golf season – is in the spring. Girls golf season is in the fall. Kyle Kimry would be the coach this year at White Knoll, and he was asking me some early season questions. And while I know we got football, we got a football game tomorrow, I like talking about winter golf just a little bit. Winter golf's always time of year where everybody complains about scores and, and uh, how tough the conditions are. And Kyle was actually asking me, about ideas he could spend some time improving the their golf team scores and the first thing i'd say that we could think about in the winter is make sure our body's nice and warm and ready to go before we take mm-hmm. that first swing in a golf ball what do you say about warming the body up and this this segment sponsored by tsunami bar sports we got a lot of unbelievable cool things going on at tsunami bar sports we got a chipping a chip and putt coming up short game course Right there at 720 Chris Drive, we'll be able to tie in some some short game fun, fitness, and Tsunami Robbie, talk a little bit about what we can do in warm-up before we play. Yeah, you know, we're fortunate here in South Carolina that the, the warm-up doesn't have to be quite as intense as it might be in some of the, the colder areas. Uh, our winters here are pretty mild for the most part. Uh, you know, if you're playing in the 40s, that's usually a pretty cold day. And uh, But you can get out there and warm up and get this, just like pulling a piece of meat out of the freezer. And, uh, you know, it's stiff, it's rigid, it does, it's not very flexible. Uh, <laughs> but you put it in the microwave, you put it in the microwave for about 35, 40 seconds and heat it up a little bit, and you can twist it, tie it up into a little pretzel knot. You can do all kinds hey, of Chris, stuff with Chris, what do you think about that analogy? You got, you got to enjoy that one. Way to go! I, I thought it was great. I thought it was great. As a matter of fact, I took some uh, meat out of the freezer earlier today, so I know exactly what Rob is chatting about. But Rob, how does this tsunami, tsunami bar? If someone has that in their bag to go warm up, how, what would you suggest they do when they step on the driving range? In and, and today would probably be a bad example with it being in the seventies around the state. But on a forty degree day, what would you suggest about their warm up with the tsunami bar? Yeah, you know, you can make it as complicated and 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 time consuming if you got a long wait, or as quick and uh, and easy as as you really want. The imagination is is the is the limit factor there. You can you can do anything from just simply shaking the bar around a little bit, getting getting a little bit of a push pull, and different planes. So you get it out in front of you, you can get it to overhead, you can get it out to your side. So you got a frontal, sagittal, transverse plane. You can do rotational movements with it. Uh, you can flex at the knees and the hips and maybe get into a lunge stance to engage the glutes and the hamstrings and the quads and get those going while you're moving the bar around. And so you can get really warmed up from head to toe, and it's going to help with your sequencing of how your body is going to be balanced when you take that first swing. I've seen a number of guys over the years take that first swing, get out over their toes, and 
and you know, just about to you know do a face plant right there on the tee box. Um, so they have to save themselves with a step or two. But uh, the the tsunami bar or the multi stick especially will help if you get out there and do a little bit of a movement pattern. It's going to help that balance. Uh, so when you get on that first tee and take that you know one rep maximum effort swing, you're ready to go. George, you brought up an interesting uh, point. Oh, go ahead. No, go ahead. I was going to ask you a question about high school golf because you talked about the uh, girls play during the fall and the boys play during the uh, spring. My guess is that's twofold. Obviously, uh, the bigger reason I would think is because you could have one coach coaching both teams. But is there an advantage if you were a golf coach? Would you rather play in the fall or would you rather play in the spring at the high school level? Absolutely, the fall. That's one of the things that Mm-hmm. The the high school golf association hadn't called me up to ask me my opinion about it, but I can tell you if uh, if I had a suggestion that would make not just the golf better, but also it would be way more accommodating for the golf courses if they had both golf seasons in the fall. Golf courses are in better condition. You got way more availability in the spring. It's really complicated. In fact, I was talking to one parent of one of the schools here locally that were denied access i hadn't heard that i hadn't heard a denied access in over 30 years uh since we've had the uh literally that goes back to the mid 80s where there's been a access denied uh and it was one school not going to mention who it was maybe they've ironed it out but so there's just the spring is the busiest time of the year for the golf courses april April and and now we have a uh, high school and most of the golf courses are accommodating and actually have the, the schools out for if not free incredibly low rates and so I'm an advocate to get get this season switched around and I know there are coaches out there in fact we're going to have Robert Dargan the state champion uh, 4A state champion last year and He'll be heavily favored to repeat, and he's going to have one of the best golf, golf teams. Had one of the best golf teams in the history of high school golf last year, and will be on the show next week. I'm sure he'll he'll take a side one way or another. Uh, I would lobby for it to be in the fall for the reasons I just mentioned, and mm-hmm. and then you can, you have a lot more uh, uh, course availability. Uh, the golf golf courses are in just impeccable shape in October and November, so. Although we'll have some fun in the spring, there's no question it's awesome time of the year. It's just very crowded this time of the year. So there's my. I'm sorry for the long-winded answer. You can tell I got some enthusiasm for it. Oh yeah. So no, I love it. And and my follow-up to that is is the concern, especially along say the Grand Strand down towards Charleston and the Low Country, is part of the problem. We have so many snowbirds that come down here. You know, February and March and April when it's the bad weather up in the north, they want to come down and play golf. Is that maybe part of the reason the high school teams can't get on some of their golf courses? Right, and that uh, again, that's exactly right. And uh, however, what it does is is you know there are plenty of fields and schoolyards and playgrounds available that that the the coaches can get out and hit some golf balls and I kind of like the idea of finding a vacant field and picking up your own golf balls I'm an advocate of go get what you hit and you'll learn to hit it better straighter and a lot less often <laughs> especially, especially <laughs> if you're hitting your own balls <laughs> so uh no I, they're uh I actually was this week out at the golf course fielding 
several complaints about players on the golf course. So I'm an app, I'm a huge supporter of junior golf and the way I look at it is get these children out there, get them interested in the game now and they support the clubs later and yeah, hey, the more the merrier. Let's everybody let's have some more fun. The more the merrier. So there's plenty of room. Most of the golf courses we only have three or four players in a group taken up on one hole at a time. The fellas in 10 acres of land, it seems to me like they can get more than four players out there. So I think we ought to be playing bigger groups and more people per hole anyway. Huh. Interesting. <laughs> more later on that. <laughs> so, guys, this afternoon, switching things up a little bit to the professional ranks, 82-time PGA Tour winner Tiger Woods has committed to next week's Genesis Invitational. I believe that's actually a tournament he helps host, so that may be part reason. But Thursday's first round will be Woods' first round in a non-major on the PGA Tour since the final round of the 2020 Zozo Championship back on October 25th, 2020. That's 844 days ago. Now, yes, he has certainly played in some majors, but this will be his first non-major, just regular PGA Tour event. Uh, Since he has made that announcement, the Genesis Invitational has since announced the commitments of 23 of the top 25 players in the official world golf ranking, the top all top 30 players in the FedEx Cup rankings, all 12 players that have won on tour this season. So I may already be answering my own question here, but the question I have for you guys is, the return to Tiger Woods, is this a major deal, minor deal, or no deal to the PGA Tour in y'all's eyes? <laughs> Go ahead, Robbie. <laughs> well, I'll definitely take it. The, uh, you know, I think any time Tiger Woods shows up, it's a, it's a major deal. He's um, arguably the best player that's ever played the game. You know, there's a lot of other players that you can throw out there. I can name several of them that I would put right there in that same conversation. But he's in that argument and uh, or debate. And um, and to have him show up after all he's been through to try to continue his playing days, uh, and you know, as his career is in that twilight area. Uh, when he shows up to a tournament to play, the crowds are going to be there. The television coverage is going to be there. The media is usually going to be very positive about it. And the, the best players show up to play. So it's going to be exciting. I'm going to be watching it. And I know a whole lot of other people will. And uh, everybody's not a Tiger fan, but uh, but I'm I'm one of them. I like to watch him play and, and can't wait till he tees it up next week and, and see how it shakes out. Robbie, you can put me in that category of not a Tiger fan, but that's not the reason I'm going to ask this question. Does, how much longer will his luster last if he's not competitive? I mean, Tom Brady, throughout his career, he was still winning championships even into the twilight of his career. If Tiger's not competitive, and I'm not saying he won't be next week, but how much longer do you think he, he sort of lives off his extended honeymoon versus he's still got to be competitive, he's got to make cuts, and fans will continue to come out and support him? Or will there be a situation in your mind where the fans start to fall away from Tiger because he's not making cuts, he's finishing you know, 60 or 70th in the, in the event? Yeah, that's that's uh, you know that fine line that professional athletes walk. They still have that competitive flow in their mind. They, their their mind tells them that they can play and they can play at a high level. And then when they get out there, the body just doesn't match exactly what the mind is telling it to do. Uh, Arnold Palmer, Jack Nicklaus, all all these guys, uh, you know, played late until they're you know they went to the Champions Tour. I don't know that Tiger will do that. Uh, he's going to stay out there on the regular tour as long as he can, and um, 
and he's going to he's going to be faced with that. Uh, am I going to continue to play and not meet up to my standard, or am I going to dip out? And I think Tiger will will opt for the dipping out when when the he's not meeting up to the, the standard that he has set for himself. I don't think he'll play much longer than that. George, if that's the case, and I agree with Robbie, who takes his space or who fills in his huge shoes in that long shadow? I mean, John Rahm is as good a golfer as you'll ever see. I'm not sure, though, he moves the needle anywhere close to the way Tiger does. So when the PGA Tour does ultimately lose him to age, retirement, whatever the case may be, how do they replace him? I, I get it; they've got a lot of young players, but Tiger just seems like he's in a different stratosphere from everybody else on tour. Yeah, that's a that's a great question. I think that uh, so I remember vividly an era that where Nicholas he wins in '86. There was some gap space between in the late '80s to the early '90s before Tiger Woods came along. Greg Norman occupied a lot of that space. Nick Faldo, uh, VJ Singh jumped in there. Ernie Els, and I think it, at least in my opinion, there could be a little bit of a combination of players that actually could elevate the game even to a greater place and you never can tell about somebody like tiger the way he'll handle it not if you go back and look at all the other greats and and incidentally by the record book uh tiger woods is not the greatest player in the history of the game i mean i i think he would probably get the vote from the current players that he's the best player to ever live but you know the record book is the only factual document that's out there that really is is I mean, it's it's king. It's the law. He's not the greatest player to ever live. But, you know, we can go on and on about that. Jack Nicklaus has won more majors, but Nicklaus did not move the dial like Tiger Woods, and nobody in the history of the game has. Mm-hmm. Arnold, Palmer, Arnold Palmer did something very special in that he brought the game to America and got it, got it to the, uh, you know, the citizens of the country and popularized it. So they called him the king, and and Tiger uh, occupies uh, an elevated space even above that. And But I think there'll be a group of people that fill the void, and I think Tiger, there's a good chance he'll keep playing. And the reason is he's still got more game than most people mm-hmm. think, and I believe he could still win on the PGA Tour. There's absolutely no doubt in my mind based on what I've seen. And will he win? I don't know. Can he do it for three, three or four days? Probably not likely uh, in this first event out, but if he puts his mind to it, there's no question he can still win on the PGA Tour. George, you've always been a huge advocate, as you talked about earlier, with regards to junior golf, whether it's high school or at the collegiate level. And the U.S. Open announced, uh, I guess it was yesterday, that they are going to add the NCAA champion along with the Latin America amateur champions to the list of exempt players. How big a deal is that for college golf now to have a pathway without having to qualify, but having a pathway to get into the U.S. Open? I'm just going to get a little loose with my opinion here, but how in the world is we, have we taken this long to get to that? Uh, that that's common sense. That should have been done long ago. Uh, <laughs> golf is slow to change and, you know, having some uh, connection to college and a little bit like, you know, maybe some of the others, I I, just, I think it's a great idea. And I think more of the college players, there needs to be a, a different upgraded way to get to the PGA tour, cycle these young players in and out. Then we don't have this, this, uh, 
one person dominating the game as it is, I think uh, I think we'll have a number of great players if we get these younger players more exposure. I think that's an absolute. The Live Tour might have been part of how it's going to open up the top. Uh, we got a lot of kids, 21, 22, 23 years old, that, you know, get them, give them an opportunity and, and let's see what happens. So uh, I think that's what this game needs. We don't need like six or eight players or four players. I, I can't tolerate watching TV. You get to watch four players, three players coming down the stretch because the network's got to go watch, you know, got to stay focused on the ones that, that bring the advertising. Mm-hmm. Uh, I'd rather I'd rather watch 15 or 20 players come in and and we got the technology to do it, so you can you can you can feel where my heart is on that, and I can keep going until uh, another hour or two on that topic. <laughs> <laughs> well, I, t- I tell you what, let's let uh, Rob uh, get a plug in here for uh, the uh, tsunami bar before we get out of here and tell folks where they can come by and see his facility in the whole nine yards. Yeah, come on by seven twenty uh, Chris Drive in West Columbia. It's a um, William Strength Manufacturing Building, and uh, on the left side of the building, as you're facing it, is where the Tsunami Center is. And uh, then, you know, I take care of all the manufacturing and building and design of all the new products, uh, you know, in a room just adjacent to that. And, uh, you know, it's wide open. And as George mentioned earlier, uh, even though it's really not visible to the eye now, just now clearing the ground and getting it prepared for the nine-hole chip and putt. Uh, course that uh, George Bryan hasn't come up with the name for it yet, but I can't wait because I know it's going to be something brilliant. But uh, you know, we're, we've got all kinds of plans, possibly lighting it up so it you know it can be played at night. Uh, there's going to be an outdoor workout area, that, so we'll be doing some training sessions outside, um, and um, and work. We'll we'll have a green, uh, a dedicated green, with probably two tiers on it, uh, with a longer shot. Uh, through a little channel of trees that, that uh, might equal to 100, 110 yards maybe. Uh, so we'll we'll have plenty of options out there to have lots of golf instruction, golf fun, and uh, working on that uh, that short game. Um, you know, I I never did that when I was a, when I was a kid coming up in the in the game. I just wanted to go hit a ball far and swing as hard as I could. And uh, <laughs> now I, I really feel like I should have I should have spent at least 80 percent of that time on the short game, chipping and putting. And getting that dialed in because uh, you know I think I'd be a much better player today if I if I'd have done that. So looking forward to that. But come on by 720 Chris Drive, or go to www.tsunamibarsports.com, and uh, you can see the products there as well. Yeah, and you can you can plug in the triple B, and that's birdies, bogeys, and biceps five B triple B five. Go ahead and order yourself a multi stick 47 or a uh, TF 60 or the Multi plus 63, and I, I'm not sure if we got our super seniors on the video just yet, but if you if, if not this week, next week, and you'll see a couple of incredible stories outdoors using the product in a in a way that uh, is going to – they in the 70s, in their 70s, they added 15, 10 to 15 to 20 yards, and these guys now over 80 – and hitting it longer than they ever have, playing the best golf of their life. And you can check them out right there on the videos. That's Triple B 5, and you get your 5% off when you go to Tsunami Bar Sports. So, man, hey, for Tsunami Robbie, G3, you guys have a good weekend. Tim, hi, but shoot them low.
Outstanding stuff, guys. We appreciate it. Birdies, bogeys, and biceps all around the state of South Carolina with George Bryan III and Tsunami Robbie Rob Themes with us here this evening to uh, wrap up what's been an extremely busy weekend. Looking forward to an outstanding weekend, which, of course, will be culminated by the Super Bowl, Super Bowl 57. Pat and I like Philadelphia, and Smitty's going to go with the Kansas City Chiefs. Uh, Pat, I didn't hear. Did Phil make a pick last night? I don't uh, – yeah, he did. He went Kansas City. I believe okay. he did. So we're split down the middle here on Sports Talk. That's right. And do you have a score prediction? Oh, wow. Well, while you think, I'm going to go out on a limb. I'm going 37-24 Chiefs. I'm sorry, 37-24 Eagles. I'm thinking somewhere in the neighborhood of 27 to uh, 20, 24. I, I don't think it gets quite that high scoring. I'm not sure Philadelphia's defense is going to allow that many points. I, though I will say if it gets above 30 points – my pick's probably going to be wrong because I think if Kansas City is able to score 30 points, they probably win the game. Fair point. That's what Corey told us earlier. He felt like if they could get it into a shootout, they had a really, really good opportunity. But, and I can tell how much he begrudged that. He had to pick the Eagles, even though he's a New York Giant. Folks, enjoy the Super Bowl. Have a terrific weekend. And we'll see you back here on Monday for Sports Talk.